brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. Happy Wednesday, you guys. Hope y'all are staying humping. hydrated. Hydrated, pumping, <laughs> and happy. Today, I am excited because we have two-time best-selling author, entrepreneur, mom of two, Christine Michelle Carter on the podcast. Hey, so girl, welcome, hey. Christine. Hey. Thank you so much for having me. And I just noticed we both have a wrist tattoo. Oh, hey. I, I love it. I have one too. Oh, okay. Oh, fabulous. Look at us. I'm like, wait, I'm like, do I have one of those? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, but you sent us you sent us your book um, a while ago. We featured it on our Instagram. It's part of our book club. Um, and so we are super excited to have you on. And you, so you also much. sent us some edibles, which that was, that was very thoughtful. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> yes. The hemp gummies, yes. I yes. was like, okay. I was like, she knows us. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I wish they were, they were filled with cannabis, but for everybody listening, they were just hemp gummies. Yeah, don't, I, wish. Don't I gave them out at my book party and people were like, do you have the real thing? <laughs> I, was, I was like, I can't give you that. <laughs> right at my at my book party trying to make right it real. exactly unlike us over here we're like everybody you should take drugs no, I'm just <laughs> i'm a big advocate for that when it comes to mothers but yeah i couldn't give it away at my party right allegedly i'm, I'm allegedly an advocate <laughs> as i wink <laughs> So you, um, you have two books. One is Mom is Fuck and the other one is Can, Mommy go, to Can work? Mommy Go to Work. Can you tell us just a little bit about your journey into, you know, writing Mom is Fuck? I mean, I know you're, you are a big advocate and you speak a lot about, you know, um, women feeling unsupported in the workplace and in motherhood in general. Being an entrepreneur yourself, I'm sure, you know, obviously this is a very personal experience. So yeah. tell us a little bit about you so our listeners get to know who you are and how you started on your journey sure. of advocating for us single mamas. 
Absolutely. So back in 2007, I started a retail marketing firm and the idea was to help small businesses reach millennial consumers. Specifically at the time they were called Generation Y and I was helping them um, reach them when they were at a younger life stage. So fast forward to today as millennial consumers go through different life stages, um, I've just become an advocate for um, at this point, working moms, um, I was always an advocate for us in the workplace. But once I became a mom, it was like, nope, done. I'm not going to advocate for anything else but us as moms and every facet of that, what it means to be a black mom, what it means to be a single mom, what it means to be a mom who has a side hustle, everything that has to do with being a millennial mom. And um, I, a part of me having that brand, that business was that I would contribute to different publications about millennial consumers. So I still do that. Obviously, to this day, I write for Parents and Time and Forbes and for HuffPost and I'm the associate editor for Modern Mom. And then I decided that it was time for me to kind of put my money where my mouth is. So five years ago, I started a um, free uh, professional development event for moms called Mompreneur Me. So basically, we go across the country. We did pre-COVID and we helped moms um, learn professional development skills but spend time with their kids too. So they would do yoga together. They would do bowling. They would do all kinds of fun things paid for by brands completely free they would get gifts at the end and when I was going around the country I was just meeting so many different women who had the same story who were very afraid to climb the corporate ladder because they felt guilty for doing so for their kid or they were battling with a husband and didn't want the world to know it and just like all these different stories made me realize how much we're siloed as mothers even though social media is supposed to connect us and I just really decided that I, I had to make my mission making women feel confident and understood and showing them that they weren't alone. And I did that through the two books. So through Mom AF and through Can Mommy Go to Work. Can Mommy Go to Work was so that women understood that the single mothers exist everywhere and children will always try to stop you from going to work. It doesn't mean they hate your job. They just <laughs> want to be with their mom. And Mom AF was kind of like a loose story of what I was going through during my separation and ultimately my divorce. So it dealt with everything with regards to being a woman in corporate America and being the only black woman sometimes and having a husband who was battling an addiction and raising these children in today's society and, and, and edibles, like it dealt with everything. So mm -hmm. that's me. I know a lot in your book, you talk about the idea of, you know, owning your shit and like the yeah. good and the bad and the ugly. And obviously like our podcast is really based in, in all of those things. You know, we yeah. talk about all of our bad choices that we've made. Um, and I say that with air quotes because a lot of the bad choices are not bad. You know, it's yeah. what society has deemed as bad. Like even like, like you said, like going to work, leaving your child to go to work, or, you know, smoking weed or whatever it may be, having sex and talking about it, you know, um, right. how, like, how do you, how do you find your balance? I mean, you, you just told me that you're, you contribute to so many different things. You have so many things going on. Like, how yeah. the fuck do you do it? <laughs> I, I know, right? I, 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 need, I need tips because girl, I, yeah. I, I mean, I do. I basically I have two jobs. I have, you know, my podcast, which every right. week is a full on production. And then, you know, I work in beauty. And so, you know, and, and that business is, you know, since COVID hit has 
affected, been affected greatly. Um, and we've had to pivot in our business as well. How, but like with all the things you have going on, how do you find the time? How do you find time to hang out with your kids? Also write, yeah. feel inspired. And then encourage other moms to get with it too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely learning time management. I also am not dating. When I was married for a really long time, we met in college. And then the year we separated, uh, I wrote two books. I got my business that consults for brands state and federally certified. I was raising our children. We were traveling. I was thriving. And people said the same thing. How do you do it? How do you find the balance? All that kind of stuff. That's when mompreneur and me really became national. And we were going all of the, all different cities. And I was like, I don't have to focus on a guy anymore. I don't have to spend my time pacifying somebody. I got rid of one of my children. Mm. I had three children, like, and he had an addiction problem on top of that. Like, I don't have to deal with all that shit anymore. So I have all the time under the sun to thrive. And I didn't, I put so much time after I got out of college focusing on his career. No one really knew what it was like for me to thrive as an adult and as a professional. So now it is so shocking to people, but it's kind of like, I'm like, I, I carried his ass. Like, why are you surprised? So, right. but that's honestly, that's the biggest thing for me is like, that's how I find the time is because I was doing a lot of things prior, but but people didn't see it, but I was also taking care of him. Mm -hmm. And now it's just like, it's dead weight gone, which is pretty freaking awesome. I got to say, <laughs> I, I, I hate to be an advocate for divorce, but every time a woman <laughs> comes, I do be, but every time a woman comes to me and she has this sad sob story about her husband and how he won't do this and won't do that. I'm not the whole prey on it. Go to therapy. I'm like, well, just leave his ass. Like the <laughs> <laughs> prayer. Right. So the divorce. Right. Right. Skip go. <laughs> Collect two hundred dollars. Like <laughs> right. keep it moving, you know? Like it is because you can't change men, you know? You just you absolutely can. They can be so freaking draining. And I find that with dating too. I'm like, well, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Like I'd rather just focus on myself and my children. I'm so happy that you're like able to be that transparent and talk honestly about it. I mean, like obviously Eric and I haven't been divorced, but we've both had breakups um, early on, more or like, you know, in, within our relationships or with our in our child's lives. But I think you're right. For women, we do naturally nurture and dedicate so much to pacifying men, to appeasing them. Um, I mean, it's the patriarchy to, to, you know, pretending like what our identity doesn't exist in order to right. maintain the household and the children. And a lot of times the the second or third baby, which is the man. And I think there's also like this curse. Cause we just discussed this too. Um, this like, I, I call it a curse of like this curse of having a baby with someone and then feeling like if this doesn't work out, my whole world is fucked. You know, yeah. I had this plan as a little girl that I'm going to have a, a husband and a, a baby or two babies, a white picket fence, and we're going to yeah. be, that's good. That's how it's going to work. I'm going to have the support system. And I think we, we, we were drilled that so hard that women forget that, hey, if this partner isn't helping you succeed, isn't supporting you, is it, if it's not a mutual exchange, then right. he's got to go. That's right. not a, he's not adding to, you know, you moving forward and it has yeah. to go both ways. Yeah. So when I ended up and you guys have read the book, when I ended up deciding to separate from my husband, I had never said these words out loud until I said it to him and he completely got it. I was like, 
you're holding me back and you're, you're draining me, you know, and you're in my way because I had that conversation with him after I was supposed to speak. I came up to New York and I, my daughter and I actually had a mother daughter speaking gig. She was like five at the time. Oh my God. Yeah. We had a mother daughter speaking gig and he ended up having a seizure in the hotel from alcohol withdrawal. And I had to speak very quickly and leave the conference and for and I felt like I had forever tarnished my brand name because it was starting to grow and I was dealing with somebody who was putting me through this so that's when I told him when we came back I was like you're holding me back so you either need to figure yourself out or I'm gone and he didn't figure himself out so I left but you guys have read the book you know like it wasn't as easy to just separate like there were moments where I physically felt sick because of what you're saying Like I had this family and I was supposed to be this wife and I was supposed to take care of him. But people really don't tell you how hard it is to truly take care of somebody, especially when they're depressed and they don't want to take care of themselves. There's only so much that you can do. And then I grew up in a household that was divorced, right? My mother's been divorced twice. And I I guess that's, there's two sides to that coin because she was divorced twice. And I see how much she's still a advocate for love. And she's a huge romantic and always is waiting for a knight in shining armor to save her. But at the same time, she's wildly successful. And I feel like it took her to become wildly successful in her 50s to finally settle down and get married for a third time hopefully this one knock on wood my stepfather <laughs> but I you know it's just it's, it's all a crapshoot it's just all a crapshoot I feel it's so funny how um I really believe in like timing and and just the universe and I this conversation couldn't be like more on time I, I feel like I don't know. Sometimes we get messages, even if you're just listening in the car or wherever you're at, or whatever time you pick up and push this podcast, like there's always going to be something that you're supposed to hear at the very right that's time. That's God. I say that's God. That's God. Yeah. That happens. And, yep. and, and I, I feel like when you're dealing with a partner who's dealing with depression or addiction, I, I dealt with that. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about that a lot because I felt like I didn't want to shade this person who's my child's father. Yeah. But I think it's really hard for women to say, to, to not feel guilty, like, especially black women. At what point do we say, okay, I've tried and I've, and and I'm walking away. Now it's up to you. Like you can't save someone. I I literally like, as much as I know my daughter's father is not my person, same. I knew him since we were 13. We went, you know, junior high, high school, you know, college, we've known each other for years. And a part of me, even still to this day, feels- the love of your life. You thought that was the love of your life. And it hurts. And there's a burden of like, damn, like, did I not try hard enough? Like, could I have pulled this person out of this place? Did I not stick around- long enough and even in my like glimpses of like like even still like wanting that in some capacity or wanting that whatever I thought I was supposed to have Mm -hmm. you know I I, I, even with him I see that he couldn't even acknowledge it enough to be like you're right it's me you know even till this day it's like you what did you do you did this and I'm like I can't you know you have to really as women cut ties when it doesn't like, I think we are so programmed to not cut ties and not soar and not to, to be focused on, on ourselves. We're always fucking talking about 
men all the time, yeah. all of my friends. Yeah. Men problems. They're like finding a man. Are they getting a man? Did they leave? Like right. men, 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 men. And I it's know. like, we are so, we're such strong women and we're so, we're such, we're dynamic if we can just tap into that shit. And I, and I, and I admit I've had a problem. I've struggled with that, you know, even till this day. And we haven't been together for like three years. So I just feel like, thank you for being honest and thank you for being transparent about, you know, that journey because a lot of women stay. And then I, I hate to be like on my deathbed and be like, shoulda, woulda, coulda. And basically that's where I was coming from. And not only, and let me just say that everything that I say in an interview, everything in the book, my ex-husband approved. He was, he really wanted me to write and tell his story because he wanted to be able to help somebody else who was going through it. Now, fast forward, like I wrote, a part of the, I would, I've been writing mama F for a really long time. Like even while we were still happily married and I said, I'm going to put you in it. And then I was like, should I put everything? And he was like, absolutely. Now today he had battles his addiction so much. He has turned into a different person. And that's another thing that could very well happen. Like the person you're with could turn into a completely different person. You don't even recognize. So if you do choose to stay, you have to deal with that. But not only, did I try and make it work and stay with him I married him knowing that he had addiction problems so I really I felt like put and again this is like now hindsight and I can you know give myself a little bit of credit from how I was when I left him but I really think I gave it 110 percent if I married you knowing you had an addiction right right and still had children with you so yeah how did you like when you, how did your children, cause you said you have a five-year-old and you have a, I'm sorry, 12, nine, nine, nine-year-old. Yeah. How, I know there's a lot of people that listen that are either married or going through divorce and maybe their yeah. partner has suffered with addiction or how, yeah. how did your, how have your children, you know, been able to transition? Like, how yeah. are they, how, I mean, obviously I'm sure they've been affected. Yeah. How do you Absolutely. talk to them about, about it? Yeah. And I bet they had, you know, there are a lot of people who have, because as black people, we kind of sweep that under the rug. And a lot of people do have addiction problems and we don't even call it that. But um, even he didn't want to admit that. And his family, he comes from a family of that and they don't want to admit it. But with my daughter, she was about, she was, I think she was five or six at the time. And we had the, I had a conversation with her that, because he couldn't even comprehend, like he was just incoherent. I had to have the conversation with her that we were moving. So what ended up happening was on a Friday, I was at my wits end by Saturday, we already had an apartment because that's how fast I move. I don't play games. Once, once I had decided, I had decided. So I went to her on that Wednesday that I had decided. And I said, we're moving. And it's because mommy and daddy need to be separate and it has nothing to do with you. And I continuously to this day reinforce that. So she realizes that I am my own person and I had to come to that decision for me. It's not coming to the decision as mommy. It's coming to the decision as Christine and what's best for Christine. Um, and that's, I think, a part of the difference. My son was so small, he didn't really care. Every now and again, he'll say, I mean, and I, when I say every now and again, I mean really sporadically, will he say that he wishes his father was around or his father was there? Um, but even through this whole corona... Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The virus, they haven't seen him at all. So they haven't seen him in like, what, 13, 14 weeks. And they're still happy children. Now, my daughter is a control freak and has anxiety like her mother. So she does try to take on the parental role when it comes to her dad. Because she does know, I've told her that he has a problem with alcohol. Because I want her to know early. Um, So she does try to pacify him. And she's trying to see him, to spend time with him, just to take care of him. Mm. But, you know, that's something I have her in therapy for. And I recognized very early on her anxiety triggers and her signs because I could see them. I I knew them from me. So it's just a matter of just continuing to have like conversations with her, with my son. It's, it's really not that big a deal at the moment. I imagine it will be when he's like a teenager, but uh, for her right now, it's, it's just trying to pacify her dad. Right. I mean, I think too, the fact that your daughter is nine and is in therapy, I mean, that is, I, I, I commend you for that because I think a lot of black women um, would, would not do that. Yeah. First of all, in our community, you know, we don't share, we don't tell our business right. people and we can handle it internally and we'll deal with it when we know yeah. we probably, well, I don't, I think me and Jamila, you, we, we talk about these issues all the time. So we are more equipped, but for the most part, we are not equipped to deal with it because we haven't dealt with our own traumas from the past. So how are we going to assist our children in these things? We need help. We need to be able to ask for help. And, you know, you know, I started therapy. I started doing therapy probably in the middle of my at the very end of my relationship with my daughter's father, that was the first time I really had ever sought out therapy and it helped me a lot. I wished though that I had been in therapy as a child because it would have helped me. I mean, I couldn't imagine how much it could have helped me because I had so many, like, even talking about my father, like the idea of my mom even asking me about him, I would just immediately cry, like on cue. And Aww. she and she just didn't know, and she didn't know what to do about it. And so she would just like, kind of like, let me cry and then like we go get ice cream and and then we wouldn't bring it up and like until it happened again you know yeah and I'm just so I am grateful that therapy is becoming more and more normalized for children um even like there's this there's this there's an app called better help that me and Jamila have been using I don't know if you've I don't know if you've heard of it um and I've been I've been doing therapy now because my therapist actually um that I that I was seeing uh stopped taking insurance and she was like just I couldn't afford it and so um better help I actually had a session last night and it's great because like I'm, I'm I'm able to choose my therapist she's a black woman and you know I feel like for me that was really important they also have a uh, therapy for children as well adolescents so if you're listening right now and you feel like maybe your daughter your son maybe you maybe you and your husband need therapy I encourage you guys to check out betterhelp.com um it's virtual therapy. You can do it. I did it in my room on FaceTime. It was honestly like even after COVID, I might not ever go back to regular therapy because yeah. there's something so intimate about you being able to be in your co- place of comfort and talking to that person. And when yeah, you get I off the that. phone, you don't have to walk out of an office all looking all teary eyed and shit. Yeah. Um, 
it's like almost, I thought it would be more awkward, but it's actually a little less awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, like just telling, pulling up to a stranger and telling your business because it is you're in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in better help, check out the details of um, of the episode. Me and Jamila have talked about it. Um, a few different times. And I really, really, really encourage you to, to get the help you need because therapy shouldn't be this, this weird, scary thing. And especially for children, like, especially when your child, yeah. I mean, like she's, first of all, she's a girl and girls, we are, we're, we're nurturers by nature. And, but we, at some point though, we have to, that's already innately in us. We have to learn how and when to share that with people, that's right. regardless of if it's your family member or not. And I wish I would have had those tools early on. I probably wouldn't have wasted so much time in my last relationship. Now, my my ex was not an addict per se, but he had his own dark demons that he seemed to be addicted to even to this day. Like the the need to feel connected to shit that is dangerous just because. Yeah. You know, and... um, But all of those addictions, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, yeah. I mean, essentially it is kind of an addiction. It might not be like an actual like... Like Substance. Substance addiction. Right. But... It's all driven by depression, you know, and that's why I don't judge him for having the alcohol addiction. It's more so for not wanting to treat the depression. Um, And I honestly, I don't judge him for that either, but I recognize that that's the issue is that you're depressed. You don't want to treat it. And there's nothing that I can do to stop your depression. Absolutely. When it comes to my daughter, it's funny. She's so vocal that it's in therapy that it's made her vocal around the house like she'll be like I just need some me time and she'll put on her aromatherapy oils and have go in her room and it helps to put names to things like when you are sick of being around people if you want to say you want some me time go ahead by all means that means I can have some me time so you go off and do that and it's funny so we've had the same she's had our pediatrician since birth and our pediatrician is like she's coming to me asking me questions and telling me about what her friends are doing and she's like can you believe that but that's the kind of relationship and communication that I've built and therapy is also helping mm. damn I didn't I didn't realize how much like therapy just really stimulates the need like the exercise of talking about your feelings that's right I didn't even realize like that's the thing like even you saying that story about your mom would bring something up and you would just immediately cry I remember like my parents bringing up certain things and I just was like don't say one more thing to me, I'm going to cry. And then not wanting to be vulnerable in front of even my parents, not even wanting to cry, not even wanting to be like, I feel this way, not even to myself. Like I would maybe go in my room and just cry, but then not even being able to identify, you know, really just dig deep into those feelings and then express them. And to the point where I'm 32 and I'm literally crying all the fucking time. <laughs> I am, I'm crying all the time. I can cry at a drop of a hat. Well, it's got nowhere to go. Yeah, and I'm just like, you gotta, you gotta work this out, girl. You're not, you're not 12 year old girl anymore. You know, like I get, even with certain friends, my closest friends, certain conversations, even my not closest friends, come up and I'm like, I'm gonna cry. I don't want to cry, and I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm sweating. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because it's just like my own insecurities, my own fears, my own shit. But you're making like this conversation is just so true because it's like it's, and that's a true like with the better help with your kids getting therapy there doesn't have to be some traumatic situation to happen there hasn't have to be no. a divorce on the rise it doesn't have to be some you know shit at first school. of all growing up is a traumatic situation okay <laughs> thank you like there's going to be <laughs> Look, just just puberty in general <laughs> right 
like, exactly. what is happening to my body? Who am I? Why am I? Why do Feeling I smell all of a sudden? Right. Why do my friends act this way? Why are they doing things? Should I be doing the things that they're doing? That's what I'm dealing with. Right. And then right. add oh, this, this layer of social media and this other shit that we didn't even experience growing up. This is a right. whole different season. And so like, hell yeah. Right. Hell yeah. Like, I, I, the, like I'm, I, I need to do more therapy. I need to talk about my feelings more because I'm trying to heal things that I didn't even realize needed to be healed until yeah. at 32. And that's crazy. But can I tell you, I love that you said that you recognize your triggers because it wasn't until somebody told me to watch Sleepless in Seattle that I realized one of, I had never seen the movie before. That was and, Meg, uh, Meg Ryan. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Let me write that down. I'm gonna get Sleepless that. in Seattle. It's a good movie. But I had never realized that one of my triggers is chick flicks. Like after I watch a chick flick, I ball, not while the movie is on, but afterwards I ball uncontrollably because I don't want to admit that love and romance matters to me. I won't even admit mm. that to myself. And then sometimes after I watch it, I'm like, just go ahead and cry. And I'll get the cry out and I'll realize how much I miss being in love and having romance. And I think it does stem from the fact that my mother is so into like the, the her. Right. Need, right. Needing a man like that completes and rounds out her life. And I so don't want to be like that, that I push those feelings down. And then you put a chick flick on and then I'm a mess. Oh my God. That is me. Are you me? Do, you, do I know you? <laughs> right. Honest to God. Like, I don't care. Fuck, fuck these niggas. I don't need right, them. Exactly. Like, I, I, like a year ago, I, try, I tried on my girlfriend's engagement ring just because that's what girls do. And literally as soon as the, it hit the base of my finger. Okay. I just start crying. I was like, what is happening? I didn't even think it was gonna, I didn't even feel like I was feeling no type of way. Right. I just wanted to try the ring on, see what I'd look like with a rock. And suddenly I was just like, oh, I'm about to cry, you guys. And they're like, Oh my God, what? we are the same person. <laughs> they're are. like, what? What is, who are you? You do want to be married. I was like, I guess. <laughs> 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 like, oh my God, who are you? That's oh my so God. Funny. That makes me think of, I'm, I'll never forget, like I was in my friend's, my girlfriend's wedding, um, Nisha. And it was during a time where like, I wasn't happy at all in my relationship and, but I was engaged and watching their like, I just remember watching, they had like the montage of their whole love story. And I was fucking miserable. <laughs> I wanted to like, I was so sad. At the wedding? I was, yeah, I was so sad. I was like mad at them for loving each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, how could they find love? They've only known each other for like one year and they're getting married. Meanwhile, I've known I've been with this fool for 16 years. For 16 years. <laughs> uh, we don't have a love story like this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, yeah, I, I could see, I could see how those, those, it could be triggering. It could for sure. Yeah. And even like you said, you, you don't date, you're focusing on your career. Like I admire that too, because don't let us get a, a love interest. We were getting distracted like a motherfucker. <laughs> and, and that's what they do. And it's just such like, so my everything, again, everything that happened in the book loosely happened in one way or another. My sister and brother made me set up a, a Bumble profile. 
And I was like, it's nothing but trash out here. Like, <laughs> and they're like, you're, you're swiping too fast. I said, but why do I have to take the time to think about if I actually like you? Shouldn't it be a gut reaction? So I'm like steady, like, no, no, no. So then somebody was like, go to match because it's more serious. Okay. I paid $39.99 for be, to be on that for four minutes. I literally deleted the app four minutes after I signed up for it. Cause I was like, it's the same fools that are on bubble. They just paying for it. <laughs> I was so angry. But that's the thing. I'm like, why do I have to spend the time yet telling you about myself? Then you ultimately finding out what I do and you asking me for some type of hookup or asking me to help you with your writing. It's just like, there are too many different factors for me to consider. And then I'm, you're definitely not going to be around my kids. Like, absolutely not. So this, in this season in my life, I, I'm not focusing on that. Even for me, like now that I'm dating someone kind of seriously, I'm really like, I told Erica, like I was supposed to go to his house late. And then he asked, he told me he was hungry. And I was like, are you, you want me to pick you up something? And he said, yes. And I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I would have been pissed too. Sign up for this. And I'm right. like, Bitch, this is a part of it. Like people care for you. You care back. It's very yeah. basic. I know, right? And I'm just like, after being in such a draining relationship for so long where someone was depressed and abusive and mean, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. after that, I was like, never the fuck again. You're never going to trick me. You're exactly. never going to get me to be all acting crazy because I feel like my DNA was intertwined with this person to the fact, to the point where I knew some, I knew all the flaws and I knew I couldn't help them. And I still was comfortable in the pain. And even, even now untangling that, that comfort, this comfort in this terrible place is the strangest mind fuck for me. Like it, I need there. I, this is why I'm in therapy because untangling that what I'm connecting to something that's so abusive was like, I had to look at myself in the mirror. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? You have some real shit you need to deal with because if this is what you're missing and this is what feels comfortable to you, this is a, this is a problem. Yeah. And like in, to the point where I'm moving, I'm trying to move forward. And cause I do, I like, I want to be in love and be married and shit without, you know, dropping off food and stuff. But, <laughs> but, but also I'm just like, I have to really come out of untangle that to be able to accept someone else and see a healthy, a healthy, you know, relationship and see how it looks and give myself that way. Because when I finally cut that shit off, I was like, don't even say relationship to me. Like, yeah. even when Erica, when you, you've been saying boyfriend lately, I've realized it triggers me. Like, <laughs> you know, this the, is not I, that type of show. Shut the fuck up. Right. right. <laughs> we're bad bitches over here. We're bad, we're bad bitches for life. Single right. moms forever. <laughs> it's so funny because we are, we are so alike. I remember that it was, it wasn't triggering for me to see the kids. Cause obviously you've had a, a child with the person you're talking about and I have too, but it took me some time to, to not have everybody talk trash about my ex-husband. I was like, you know what? That doesn't help. You guys got to give me time to heal and never say never. You don't know if I'm not going to get back with him. Just give me time to make my own decisions. And that, I remember that pissed my father off because of everything that was going on through the separation. And I was like, but still at the end of the day, you know, that is the person that I married. I was just like you. I would rather be, I was comfortable in the pain. Uh, I'm not there anymore. And it's, funny I when I talk about him now with the kids I finally allowed myself to heal to talk about him like when we were growing up and how he was and how he laughs and all of that and give the kids 
great memories of their father because it's hard. Like they're never going to see the lighter side of him. They barely remember that. My son doesn't remember it at all. My daughter barely does. They're only going to remember this guy that they see now, which is not who, who he was. I would not who, right. And God forbid he passed away. I wouldn't want them to remember him like that. What was the turning point for you where you realized that you were past it? Like, was there some specific, oh, was it the, yeah. the, 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 the time was, in the hotel? Yeah, it was the time in the hotel because that year he had had seven seizures in one year and he couldn't even remember it. And you would tell him and he wouldn't remember it. And he also had issues with his family who I cannot, his parents, I cannot stand to this day where on the seventh seizure, I told him, you're not coming home. You're staying in that hospital until you're well. And they signed his release forms and, and took him out because to them, it's not that big a deal. Mm. Yeah, that not that big a deal is a big deal. You know, right. I, you know, when I was talking to my therapist yesterday, she was asking me if I still felt like, because we, we and me and her, we went to we went on a little trip this last week and I was telling her that I still feel tethered in some capacity to this person. I'm always worried about him. Like, it's not that I love, I do love, I'll always love him, but like, I'm not, I don't want to be with him, but I'm always worried about him. Worried if he's about his safety specifically, worried about his mental state and like how, at what point am I going to like let go of that and it's like how do you do that when you share a human with someone because it's not even it is about some of it is like my my and like letting go of whatever that those last final pieces of whatever that relationship is but a lot of it has to do with like not wanting my daughter to yeah. experience that and like not wanting her to feel hurt by his mental state or her to feel hurt by anything that could potentially happen to him because of the lack of safety that he and the, and the people that he has around him. Like, how have you been able to kind of like separate that? So I, that'll never go. I honestly don't think that'll ever go away because I thought you were going to say trying to hold on to a part of the relationship, but no, I'm with you. I feel the same way. I don't, I could give a shit, especially because I don't get child support. I could give a shit about what happens to that man <laughs> as a man. But what I am so concerned about is like I said, what my daughter goes through or what my son could go through because it is a vicious cycle in his family. His father was the same way to him. And I don't want my son to become an alcoholic and I don't want my daughter to be taking care of a grown man. And I mean, it all goes back, I guess, to my anxiety. And I have to tell myself what is the app a new year full of surprises but one thing is always predictable postage costs go up stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89 percent off usps and ups services so when postage goes up your business will barely notice the change stamps.com is like your own personal post office wherever you are you can even take orders on the go with the mobile app no lines no traffic no waiting schedule package pickups automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Absolute worst that could happen. And I always go to a place like, like T says, like, she's like, I always go to a place of death. And I'm like one step from that. I'm always like severely injured. <laughs> but, but I have to remind myself, like the worst that could happen is, you know, my daughter, she'll always come to me with her problems. So I can, I can block something really bad from happening. I think with my daughter and my son, but it's, it's, I'm never going to stop worrying about it. It's just, I got to stop thinking about the worst possible thing happening as a result of that. I know. I know. I've, I've, I've been like plagued by it lately. I've been like seeing signs of like, I've been telling Jamila, I'm like, yo, there's crow, black crows are following me. I'm telling you, I've seen them everywhere. Mm. And like, my boyfriend was like, uh, you're tripping. Like you need to look up the meaning black crows. They don't always mean death. They don't always mean negativity. And I was like, yeah, nigga, no, but like, I know what it, <laughs> right. I was like, I know how it, it makes me feel when I see yep. them and I, they're literally following me. They were circling my house yesterday. I just don't know if I'm noticing more than ever, but then there was a moment the other day and I was like, okay, I, have to like, I've decided that I'm going to combat this with so much light that I'm, and I'm not going to give it any more power because it's starting to like take over and I'm starting to be fearful that something negative is going to happen to him. And I know a lot of that is based in fear because of our past relationship, because of the decisions that he's made in our relationship. He wanted me to feel like he was the leader and I could trust him, but time and time again, his leadership failed and therefore it always does. (laughs) I don't trust your leadership, you know? And like, even to this day, he's always, you have to trust me. I'm like, nigga. (laughs) Right. You don't realize your track record is poor. Right. Um, But I think like, I'm glad that you said that you don't know if it ever does because, and and because I really felt that way too. Like, I don't know if I'll ever not worry about how this affects me. Yeah. It's probably just the severity of how, how much you worry about it, but I think you'll always worry about it. Yeah. And like, now that I'm dating someone else, I'm like, also feeling like, is this unfair to him? Right. You know, is this unfair to him that I'm still in some capacity? I get like the other day, he saw my whole mood shift based on an interaction that I had with a man that I used to love. And I'm like, how does that make him feel? Like, is he okay? Because like, clearly this man still affects me in some capacity. Um, and these are things that I'm now having to like, you know, honor and adjust and think about now that I am in a relationship, but it's more so I worry. It's not about the relationship or the, the fact that it's over. It's really like, I don't want to have to tell my daughter something like, I don't want to have to wake up tomorrow and be like, so daddy, you know what I mean? Like, yes. And then, so I told, and I told him that too. I was like, they you're gonna make me you're gonna make me have this conversation with her like care. you because sometimes i'd be like nigga do you want to die like, right and seven I, seizures in a year i was I'm there. like do you think it's gonna <laughs> add to your legend like i don't understand like i just i don't want to have to have that conversation like that's just yet one more way that i will have felt hurt by you like can you just get take this right 
I'm just, I think it's just like, let me be free. Not having, oh, you, you, you don't have control. You don't have That's control. what it is. And, I'm a and that's what anxiety I, is. Yeah. You can't control things. Exactly. And I feel like this is like, I think there's no heartbreak, like, or no breakup, like the breakup of the per- person you share a child with. And usually your first child with, or you know what I mean? Like, cause my thing is not like, I, 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 I care about his health or his well being, but also like I'm judging myself for caring. I'm like, want to shake the shit out of me, yeah. but I can't. And it, that, that, that makes me sad. <laughs> it makes me sad. Yeah. I know all the facts. I know this person is this, this, and that this person does not honor me, does not respect me. And there's still some fucking shit inside of me that really gives a fuck. And it's, I think it is because I, I thought I was gonna have like this family and there's like, you know, I'm, I'm like, why did you have to fucking, why can't you just grow the fuck up? Like everybody else's yeah. man who had a kid. But did they? <laughs> no, I mean I don't know, but I'm just that's like, because because you never. It's like, not until they? you get divorced. Uh, yeah, you realize how many people are in shitty relationships. Because once I got divorced, everybody wanted to tell me about how they hated their husband. People were like, "I can't wait till he dies." Because then I'm <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's crazy. It was not until I got divorced that people who I thought had fabulous marriages, they cannot stand their husband. So don't believe the hype. Do not. I saw my parents have like a long, crazy, fighting, cheating relationship. Like till this day, they're married and who knows what the fuck they're doing. But like crazy. (laughs) And I I always felt like my mom was just like, just like, couldn't, couldn't do without him. She would just pass out and faint if this nigga left. Like no matter what he did, she stayed and stayed and stayed, even if it was, even if it was just craziness and the chaos in the house. And my whole thing was like, I do not want to be this person. I do not want to depend on someone so bad that like, no matter what, I won't leave them. And then, you know what I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of battling with the feeling of like, I'm not her, I left, but I'm still hurting really badly yeah. from the disappointment of this person. I'm going to cry again. <laughs> Oh Lord! <laughs> oh, pudding! I'm always crying this month. 2020's been a crying ass year. <laughs> but you know, I feel like I feel like that's what something like a lot of moms deal with. You know, a lot of yeah. just holding on to something and loving someone so hard that you just you, you almost have to learn to live with it. <laughs> learn yeah. to like give it space and live with the fact that you're gonna love someone that may not love, love you back. back. Yeah. Yeah. And not the way that you want. And I think it's like a mourning. You have to mourn it. You have to, you you have to cry. You have to cry it out. You have to release it. You can't. And that's the thing too, like us talking about like black women that were always so strong and it's like, yeah, and that's great. But like, when do we get the space to not be, you know, and to feel it and to mourn it and to cry and to scream and to just, you know, not feel like, we failed. It was all our fault. We didn't try hard enough, you know? I mean, because like I said, I was deciding by Saturday where I was living, I was taking the kids around to see apartments. I was going to steamroll it and go full steam ahead. And my aunt told me, she was like, can you just 
for me. Just stop for a moment and feel it and mourn and grieve. And I did. Like, I had to sit and mourn the fact that the person that I, when he was a good person, when he had his ups, like, that person had died, basically. He had completely turned into somebody I didn't know. So that's why I also think if something happens to him now, I'm not as attached to that person because alcohol addiction and depression can really turn you into a completely different person. So that's not the person I married. I had to mourn the death and it was painful to mourn the death of the person that I had married while they're still alive. Right. I know because memories are a motherfucker, man. They will just pop up and you will hold on to them so hard. Those moments where you're like, I, I saw the best part of you. What happened to right. that? What happened to that moment where we made those vows, where we said which we, we were- We made these people, we right? Made, we made these people. little people. We made these people. You looked me in my eyes. You, you said you were going to promise. You promised you were going to protect us. You promised you were going to fight for us. You promised you were going to yeah. show up for we're us. have this life. Right. And it's like- <laughs> Now I'm left with these big hands, big feet. Now I got these goddamn like kids. kids. That won't stop <laughs> Leave me out of house at home during COVID. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. What, um, what's your sign, Christine? Gemini. Ah, what's your birthday? June 14th. Okay. Oh my God. Same as my baby daddy. And, and Trump. I knew. And Trump. I know. And Trump. You know what? When you said Gemini, I knew you were going to say June 14th. I don't know why. Not that you remind me of him. Oh my gosh. But, um, Funny. He's actually very intelligent. He's just, you know troubled um um so i saw i saw that you know um you've obviously you've explored and written so many different things about you know motherhood and what i was reading this article today that you had written recently about um infertility in the black community and it really struck me because i think like me and jamila have talked about like you know, we're, we're in our thirties now. And like the idea of freezing your eggs is like this big thing amongst friends. A lot of our friends don't have kids and, you know, people are starting to have children later and later because women, you know, where our careers are taking off and, you know, our priorities have changed. And, um, you know, oftentimes like I'll laugh and be like, I don't need to freeze my egg. Like I'm a shit work. I'm good. But like, I don't actually know that to be true for sure. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and also like I, when I was reading your article, I was, I was really, what struck me the most was like the idea that, and I find, cause I'm Mexican too. Like the stigma around like, like Latino, Latina people, Latino people is that like, we just are baby making machines. Right. Like we just pop them out like right. every six months. Um, and the same with black, same with the black community that we, you know, because we just keep having kids that we can't afford. Right. Right. Have all these children on welfare. Right. And, um, but no one really talks about, you know, women that want to have children that, that really, they can't, or that have had issues and, um, the shame that goes along with even talking about it amongst especially in the black community, I feel like it's way more normal. And like, I hear white women talk about this shit, like they're ordering coffee. Hello. And, and men and men, there's a lot of shame with men too. And I, a mompreneur me, my team, when somebody wrote about that, like the infertility that men experience, but you're right. Like among the white community, it's, it's no big deal. Like it's a almost, it's almost, 
and again, this is, it's now an employee benefit. So it's like designer. They, it's almost like, well, wait, now what do I you get mean to, it's an employee benefit. So, so basically if somebody wants to explore freezing their eggs or fertility options, that is now a, a, an available company benefit. Wow. Because they have made it so mainstream. It's literally like, well, you can't have, you can't have a baby naturally. It's fine. We can design one for you. Like, right. but that's also or, very or do your process. career. You're going to become a manager, senior manager, then boop, let's put a baby in there and then we'll keep going on our career. Like it's a, it's now a planned part of your career. Right. And it's just crazy. I mean, I think too, I mean, when I was reading the article, I was, I, I took a, it said, um, said only 8% of black women seek medical help to get pregnant compared to 15% of white women. Um, but it can also be attributed to the historic belief that infertility doesn't exist within the black community. The black woman has forever, the black woman as forever fertile is a notion held over from slavery. And I didn't even realize how deep, how deep that is. And it t- makes total sense because yeah, like, we had the children. We also took care of so many people's That's children. Right. Like we were wet nurses. Like we just, we almost are like considered just the caretaker and therefore we must be able to bear children as well. Exactly. You know what drives me crazy? Informal doulas. You know what drives me crazy is we are these maternal essence beings on the planet. Yeah, we're so un- unappreciated. It's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. We're raising children from our communities, our friends, kids, our families, kids, other races. We are these caring, nurturing, our men, these caring, nurturing beings, and yet we are so unappreciated. What is the, the to me, it just, it, it blows my mind, the dichotomy there. Then they wonder where the angry black woman notion is. Right, exactly. How about you respect the fact that I just gave you a fucking Capri Sun? <laughs> you know? How about that? Right. How about that? How about I just worked eight hours and now you're asking me to play Roblox with you? I don't fucking feel like it. I, <laughs> I have I, to I, fight I with felt, my daughter every day. I found myself like snapping and my daughter's like, I'm like, don't call me crazy. Right. <laughs> like, sorry. Just talking to you like a chick on the street right now. Right. Exactly. Um, I was even thinking about you know, the, the, the idea, the controversy that surrounded like Beyonce's pregnancies, mm. right? Like, and like the, yeah. and the secret, the secretness of it all and the speculation of whether or not she had them and like really so much judgment within our community against her. Like the idea that she can't have kids, like this superwoman woman who is, you yeah. know, done all these amazing things. Ha- she also, well, she can't but, have but, kids. But, but do you think it was the black community putting that stigma on the charade that we thought took place of the, the, the pretend pregnancy? Do you think had, had okay, we are, uh, we're definitely speculating, right? Because we don't know. Yeah. Okay, we don't know if she, Blue Ivy, she carried her or whatever. Um, but like, do you think, has she been like, hey, I'm super robot, Queen Beyonce, and I am having trouble getting pregnant. Like, I think, I think our community would have been more receptive. I think it would have been, it should, it it could have been a very uh, like a turning point for for this yeah. conversation in our community had she been willing to maybe 
express before lemonade that she had miscarriages that hey yeah. I, I can dance and sing and backflip and I can you know do all these things but I'm ha I'm struggling here I think that's why for me like I love Beyonce don't don't come for me beehive I'll, 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 look, look I was about to say wait pause disclaimer which you won't do <laughs> because I have a picture of Beyonce as Mona Lisa in my office but I think but you, but you know what as as much as I say that what absolutely drives me crazy about Beyonce and have been a, and being her fan since she was 16 is she is a business and she is a brand and you are absolutely right we have no right to know that information but what she will always do first and foremost is protect her brand so back i always say like what drove me crazy about her when she was doing deja vu and did i am sasha fierce was like why are you making these cutesy songs when you're engaged or you're married and you're really going through struggles and you're going through relationship issues and I feel like you're still singing about upgrade you like I need you to be relatable and then she came out with Beyonce and then she came out with Lemonade and I was like thank you God like finally I, well I mean but unfortunately up. in her defense not that I know Beyonce at all but she's been doing this a long time she's been a brand a long no time. but she has she's been a she started this when she was a, ch a child essentially people, yeah white people told her what she was allowed to do True. and how she was allowed to show up and the thing and like th imagine like how many deals that she couldn't she wouldn't have gotten had she have yeah had a lemonade in 2004 you know what i mean like, yeah and and i get all that and i think i think honestly her sister was really took made her brave um, I love I do, uh, yeah I love her sister her I love her I'm reading her this is my Beyonce this is, what, this is about Beyonce. But, and I also <laughs> but I also say like you know you said you're going back to the pregnancy and whether or not whatever um how how had she been open enough it would have you know opened up the conversation but like that's the problem is that we don't she didn't feel safe doing that she didn't yeah. feel encouraged enough to do that. She didn't feel empowered enough to do that, even being fucking Beyonce. If if that was do the you case. think she would? But do you think? But that's what well, goes back to my point. Like I don't know that she would. Like it took her so long to even address the fact that people were talking about her daughter's hair when my kid was running around with the same hair. And I wrote an article for Harper's Bazaar about it. Like I'm always, I am in a different position, I guess, as a person. I don't think that Beyonce would ever be in that position to just be like, look. This is my daughter's hair. Get the fuck off. Like, well, leave I, me alone. I feel like now, now, after all these years, she is coming into herself and she's like, I'm rich, bitch. I'm going to talk right. black, my black shit. I'm going to say, yeah, there's a there's million, billion dollars in the elevator. Fuck y'all. Right. You know? But it's taken for her to it's be like, I'm so there 40 to be like, okay, fuck it. Let me be yeah. me. And, and you know what? And I respect that because we don't know her existence and she has been doing this shit for forever she probably was True. programmed to be a low-key robot you it's know, a nothing. juvenile industry you're and navigating right. in fear like this at any point this could be, be taken, taken away. away yeah god bless you beyonce we love i you. love you we beyonce. love you beyonce right. <laughs> thank you Solange, for bringing her out of the closet but, I, but right. I just i use that as an example of like you know black women not feeling safe enough or comfortable enough to talk openly and discuss you know, their issues, whether it's about, you know, infertility, whether it's about, you know, whatever it is, therapy, all those things. And, you know, white women feeling very empowered by, I, I, so many of my white friends growing up like, would brag about going to therapy. 
Like, yeah. oh yeah, my therapist said blah, blah, blah. And I'd be right. like, bitch, we're talking about this out loud? Like, yeah. and it just became normal. It was normalized to discuss your feelings, normalized to talk about the, your vagina, normalized to talk about, you know, your whatever. And especially, in, and don't even get me started in the as far as black men talking about infertility, because they will never, oh, yeah, they, they will never, never take oh, accountability. No. It's, it's not always, me. It's not, it's not me. me. My shit work. My shit work. Right, right. Like, and, but you know that. what? In, in contrast to that, to that very point, you got Britney Spears who lost her damn mind, and she has two kids, and it's okay for her to lose her mind and lose her kids and, and be on Instagram talk about being a, and be crazy. And Beyonce oh. could never do that. Those, now that they, I will those child services would be at Beyonce's house girls. right the fuck right. now exactly. if she was making these dance videos. I don't think Britney has her kids because she's she's <laughs> fully full time dedicated to dancing in the living room. <laughs> See, and, but nobody says. But you know what? That's so true. Not even just. Brittany, who's clearly gone left field. Um, what's the other uh the other white chick who's like a pop singer who they she overdosed on heroin and then she like Debbie Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato, that. like she overdosed on heroin and then like six months later hosted an award show or some shit. Nobody says shit. Demi's fine. Right. Not to, not to say you got to be drug. You know, people. She's living her truth. She's, she's struggling living, through she's, her she's truth. She's struggling. She's living her truth. They <laughs> drug Whitney so damn bad. Whitney, they they dragging her in her death. Yeah, we do not have the same privilege to be to fuck up, nope. to be parents and fuck no. up, to be to exist and fuck up. It it, do, it doesn't exist. We we can't nope. even barely smoke weed and have kids and talk about sex. I mean, we can. We're not Beyonce, but <laughs> it's just this this stigma that we can only be one way. And That's right. If, if we fuck it up, we're done. That's our reputation right. for life. We can only play the supporting role. We cannot yeah. have lives full full uh holistic lives we have to be the supporting girl right i I even feel bad because i I didn't really think about infertility because obviously it's not something that i personally have dealt with and i don't have a lot of friends who have um per se like close friends yeah but i do have my best friend is the same age as me she's about to be 33 and she's like obsessed with wanting a family and having a baby and like me and me and our other friend have friend like kids everybody's starting to have kids and like her whole thing is like where's my kid where's my baby where's my husband i'm like chill out chill out she's like i'm thinking about you know if by 35 i'm just gonna do it with a friend i'm gonna freeze my eggs i'm like girl shut the fuck up and the truth is i'm i'm a i'm a bitch i'll be like that's some white people shit you want to freeze your eggs, bitch? You're 32 and a half. Chill. You're funny. I'm so busy mar- mothering everybody. I've, you know my best friend. So I'm like, I want that experience for you. And you would make a wonderful. <laughs> no, and, and I do. Oh, I, I want, do it. <laughs> I do. I want, I want you to, but I don't want you to worry about it. And I just feel like it's just not something. But it's easy for you to say. Because that, you have a kid. Exactly. Right. And that's what she says. And I understand that. And, and then now at 32, I'm like, hmm. Do I want another kid? I guess shit. I guess I gotta got I got about three three years to decide and shit because that's what the doctor tells you. You gotta be by thirty five. Your shit's getting old. And I don't uh, even know. My doctor told me at twenty nine. So that's why I pretty much wrote the article was not because I was experiencing fertility, but both times were a challenge for me. So with my nine year old, I had preeclampsia, and I was um in basically I was in labor from a Wednesday to a Sunday. I was having was contractions, and then with my son when he was born, my blood pressure shot to 230 and I could feel nerves in my brain and the neurologist came in and said a woman of your age shouldn't be having children and I was 29. Wait so I I had preeclampsia so does age and preeclampsia have relation? Those are two different pregnancies. Okay. No those were two different pregnancies. But but even um, if your blood pressure was high with your second that means that was preeclampsia too no? They didn't tell me that they didn't diagnose it as preeclampsia the second time. 
Of course not, because you're black. I was going to say, that sounds very right. They basically, they gave me basically a CAT scan, told me I was fine, and then said a woman of my age shouldn't be having any more children. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we never, we don't really consider also the fact that, you know, freezing eggs is a very expensive process. Very it's not expensive. very accessible, it's you like, know? Yeah. IVF, and I, when I was reading your article, it can be up to $12,000 a year. And like, we, let's, we don't want to talk about what black women and women of color get paid annually. Right. And the idea that if we ever, before we even can even possibly even afford that, we're probably well into our late thirties. Right. You know, especially if we're not married and we want to do this on our own and we don't have someone contributing to, to that. It's like these conversations just, they just don't, they don't happen. Like I have never, like I have one friend who um, she's black and she actually did go through IVF and she was very, like, I felt like she was almost ashamed to talk about it, you know, yeah. and because it feels, and I get it. It's not even just being black. I think as women, we feel like we, this is our like civic duty. Like we must be able to do this. And if yeah. not, somehow we're less than, we're less than a woman. Yeah. Less than human. Yeah. Right. So I think normalizing the conversations like white people do, like literally, like they are excited about their IVF treatments. Right. They're excited to tell us me about like, what their therapists tell them, you know, and it's, it's funny. So the article that you're referencing, I interviewed Kimry, um, who was on single parents or I can't remember what the show was called, but I know her from being on the Mindy project. She was when Mindy was dating the white guy, she was his ex-wife. And I think she's absolutely gorgeous. She had sent me all these photos of her doing IVF. And she was like, and make sure you share it with everybody. And it's expensive. And she's an actress. She's a working actress. And she's still like, it's expensive. It's painful. There's, for some reason, we don't talk about it as Black women. Please, like, educate as many Black women as you can about it. That's amazing. That's, that's so cool. Well, I'm grateful because I'm grateful that I stumbled upon that article because I, I, I really, I never even thought about it in the perspective of, you know, the shame surrounding it as Black women and, you know, the, the stigma of the fact, like the stigma that follows us that we are just these fertile myrtle women, you know, I'm, yeah. and that's just not, it's not always the case yeah. and we should be able to talk about it and normalize it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm stressed out. <laughs> I'm like, oh God. Now I feel bad. Gonna <laughs> freeze some eggs. And you know what else? Um, people don't really discuss, which I guess is the same. Can go. Uh, not, it's not infertility, but like early um, menopause. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, a friend of a friend, who just was like, you know, she's like 39 or in her 40s, and she was like, her period started getting less and less. And I was like, did, did, yeah. did you want to have kids? And she was like, I wanted the option, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, just, just again, one of those things I, it hadn't even dawned on me. What if my period just started to slim up, you know, I right. just, just so many things that we're not discussing and that, you know, a lot of us are dealing with and we're not real at recognizing. And, and way- a lot of things that I feel like we are still preying on. And it's not that I'm not a woman of faith. I just think that in 2020, with all of the resources and all of the community that we have available to us that women in previous generations didn't have, and all you did have was faith in your neighbor, that we should do a little bit more than leverage faith and like a fertility hold, ceremony. 
and, right and hold faith in like such a high regard i it's funny that so that article you're talking about the infertility one people were talking about how family members were telling them to prey on it and then i wrote another piece um which is kind of related about the fact that a lot of women nowadays are turning back to a lot of women of color are turning back to being brujas and and women who are more spiritual than religious in a very specific faith and the backlash that i received from older black women and mothers about that article how dare you say that products like candles and oils and whatnot can replace jesus i didn't say that that's I like your that's girl like- <laughs> I went to my I went to my a cousin's house. Sorry to interrupt you. And you know, she no, was, you didn't know. My cousin was getting her hair braided. I was hitting off with this other girl that was there, and she had some some sage. So I just yeah. pick up the sage. I'm talking. I start lighting the sage, and you know, I'm thinking I'm doing a good deed for the room. I start saging everybody. The girl was yeah. like, ah, ah, no, ah, ah, I don't do all that. I was like, oh, you're allergic. <laughs> she was like, I believe in Jesus. I was like, girl, Jesus made sage. <laughs> Meanwhile, my my daughter's like out bad spirits. Like she's like, it's the first of the month. We gotta clean the house. We gotta sage. I want the juju out. Send your daughter to me. <laughs> right. She wants it's, to clean. We we hold on to faith way too much. It's a solution. Blindly. 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 And my, my biggest thing is like I, I you know, I respect everybody's faith or whatever path. I feel like all paths to God. Whatever path you want to take, Judaism. Buddhism, whatever it Booty-ism. is. Buddhism. <laughs> that's mine. That's ours. I was going to say that's ours. That's the new one. I'm the Pope. <laughs> cool. But like, for especially for black people, my biggest thing was, first of all, I didn't grow up religious. My dad was like, uh, a white man made up Jesus. He made him white and all the black people believed it. That was what I, that's what I got as a child. To the point where I was, when I did think I wanted to be Christian, he was like, I don't feel comfortable with this. I was like, Jesus said I'm in the youth group and I'm going to church camp. And he was pissed. But what I never understood was like, how can black people so blindly accept this white Jesus and this book that was literally used to manipulate us to believe that we should be working for free and stolen and abused and raped? You can't give me this book and make me feel cool with it. I, I'm, right. I, I, as much as a lot of those stories obviously are rooted in some other shit and they've been, they've been whitewashed extremely. Most of those, those stories took place in Africa. Let's be clear. Hair of wool ain't no white person. <laughs> you know, I just, I, one time I got high on Easter and I went to church and there's all these beautiful black people with braids and locks wearing all white and, and singing and praising. And I was just so high. I was like, this seems like brainwashery. Mm. There's usually like a white Jesus somewhere in the in the in the yeah. facility, and everybody's crying and dancing. And I, I'm all about I'm all about like your energy being channeled wherever you want. I feel like that's very powerful. It's just like manifesting. However, it creeped me the fuck out. I was like, get me out of here right now. Yeah. And it was because I just felt like it was just this deep brainwashery of America, you know, like just like, Amer- like American ministries want to go to Africa and these rural places. And what do they call it when they go? Missions, missions. Mission everybody and recruit them. Like, no, nah, nigga, leave them alone with their, yeah. their son, God, and whatever that works for them. Like, if you believe in whatever you believe in, cool. But you don't have right. to press it on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I that, that's my feelings on black men, church in the black community. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered so much. 
Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up and, um, cause I know you have to go, but, um, I just wanted to ask you one question that I think, you know, people listening, I know there's a lot of moms and women, but I think generally a lot of our listeners are moms, um, that, you know, want to start businesses and they want to be entrepreneurs and they, they don't know where to start or how to start or how to feel supported or where to get help. Like what advice would you give to women, um, moms who want to start businesses but don't really know how to start like as far as like how to find the balance between the two yeah uh jesus i would say follow me because that's i mean i talk about (laughs) that so much time management is on there (laughs) time time management is on there but there are a variety of different resources you know mompreneur me we have free content that'll help you with that it's a network of other women who are just like you who are thinking about starting their own business or have their own side hustle my good friend out there with you guys in la nefertiri plesi of single moms planet does a great job of creating resources for mothers who want to start their own business another fabulous black mom. Um, And then I would say just make sure you pick something that you would do even if you weren't paid for it because then you'll really be dedicated to it and very passionate about it. And I constantly get asked that question. I constantly hear from women that they want to start businesses but don't know where to start or don't feel like the market is saturated and don't have a place. And I always say think about the first thing that you've done as an entrepreneur which is become a mother and how you learn leadership skills from that and how you've learned to delegate and how you learn time management from that. And, and don't tell me that you can't be an entrepreneur because it's been statistically proven that matrescence, which is the psychological part of you, um, the part of your life that turns you into a mother, the brain, actual development of it, um, just is designed to make you a better leader in the workplace. All the things that you learn and all the things that you be, uh, happen when you become a mother. So there's no reason why it's actually the best time for you to become an entrepreneur or to pursue a passion project is after you become a mom. You know what? I feel like you should be able to put mother on LinkedIn. <laughs> I like I think that there's a it's lot a of time. There's job. a full-time job. There's a lot of skills that are involved. There's a yeah. lot of education. Like, yeah fast track education low key and i'm like yo put that shit yeah. on linkedin <laughs> and there but but you know what? motherhood some, specialist and but there are some really great companies that um i know a couple off the top of my head that are basically like firms that put mothers in jobs where people need those kinds of skills and not skills like babysitting so i'm talking about the core leadership and professional development skills that you get and those companies specialize in finding and recruiting moms that's amazing. Well, you guys um, definitely check out Christine and all of her. Her page is full of resources. She has amazing articles. On, Get her um, book. Her book. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, <laughs> books. Tell, tell, tell our listeners where they can find you exactly. What's sure. They can find you? So christinemichellecarter.com has uh, most of my articles, links to Mompreneur and Me, my social media sites, everything, videos, christinemichellecarter.com. Dope, dope, dope. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I, thank I love you. you. I love you. I love you. We're twin souls. We're the same person. You're right. Jamila, Jamila cried, so now you can never get rid of her. <laughs> when I'm in Baltimore, I'll be like, hello. Yes, you must. <laughs> you, must. you must. You must. Yes. I'm, I'm going to pull you out when we come. We're going we're gonna to go out. Have you been to stadiums? 
Well, that used to be, <laughs> but say, wait, now I'm feeling this. old. Now I'm feeling old because I'm like, I think you're talking about, no, you're not talking about dream or love. You're talking about stadium, which is across like diagonal when you get off of club. 50. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Long way of saying, yes, I have. And yes, a wonderful have. $2 Tuesday. I don't know if that's still going because of COVID. Oh, I don't know. Maybe don't by know. the time I get there, we could so just. long. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I, I love a good strip club. So me too. Yeah. Me too. They always have good food too. So <laughs> we all know that's important. <laughs> Thank you so much, girl. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank all right. you for having me on guys. And you guys know where to find us at good moms underscore bad choices on uh, Instagram, on Instagram or good sorry, good moms, bad choices.com. Sign up for a newsletter. If you like us, if you're listening, please subscribe, please review and rate us. It matters. That's it. Oh. And join our Patreon. Uh, we have a lot of extra bonus episodes there, extra content that you won't see on our Instagram or on any of the Apple or whatever podcast platforms. And that is patreon.com backslash good moms, bad choices. Um, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.